Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. How's everyone doing today? I'm doing pretty, pretty good. Can't complain, you know? Uh, we've got a couple more games to talk about that I completed on stream this week. We have some games that I've been playing off to the side. You know, we got some good news articles to talk about and some, uh, maybe more than some, uh, new games to look forward to coming out soon. So, yeah, this is your one-stop place for all your video game news and occurrences. I'm your The Ferret, and let's get started with what I've been playing this past week. Obviously, the first thing everyone wants to hear about is my friend Peppa Pig. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about Pokemon Arcs, Legends Arc. Arce Arceus first. Arceus? Ar Arceus. Arceus. Whichever one it is. I'll be talking about that first. Um, I made a blog post about this. Yes, go check out the blog. If you're a Twitch subscriber, you can access it through the Discord, my Discord. Um, and it was pretty much just my first impressions. And these are still technically first impressions still. Um, so, you know, maybe my... Uh, my, my uh, maybe my thoughts will change down the road. Um, but for the moment, you know, let's just say these are my first, uh, you know, first impressions because I've played about, I want to say I've played about six or seven hours now. I played it for quite some time yesterday. And then this morning I played for a couple hours. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to start off by saying I, I haven't played a Pokemon game since, Ruby, whichever one Ruby was, it was like the brilliant or the dazzling or sapphire Ruby or something like that, which I think was like a remake or a remaster of. Uh, oh, maybe it was Omega Ruby. Listen, I don't know whichever one that one was. It was on the Nintendo DS. I remember that the Nintendo 3DS, and uh, I played a I played like a, a good chunk of that game, and then I kind of fell out of it once um once I started doing other things at work. Because I, I remember carrying around my DS for, like, long trips, and that was the game I was playing for, like, two long trips in a row. Um, but anyway, anyway, anyway. So I really haven't dived into a game since that Ruby game. And then before that game, I really hadn't played a game since Pokemon Red, interestingly enough. <laughs> yeah, I was a Pokemon Red guy for a very long time until I got rid of my Game Boy Color. Uh, obviously, that was, you know, Young Yemi need money now mode so don't yell at me for that let me just start off by saying i never played sword and shield i have sword in my collection it's not opened <laughs> i remember watching gameplay of it and being kind of unimpressed right and i was like i don't know it just didn't seem like a pokemon experience that i wanted to play personally when pokemon legends arceus uh was announced i kind of you know I passed by it. I didn't I didn't think anything of it. And then I mean as people started talking about it more, you start to see a little bit more gameplay from Nintendo. I decided to get it I decided to pre-order it like 3 or 4 days before it came out from from Best Buy. I thought I had pre-ordered from Amazon, but that was actually Kirby the Forgotten Land. So I ended up pre-ordering it from Best Buy, picking it up the first, you know, day 1. 
And I, I guess, I mean, I didn't immediately fall in love with it because the introduction into the game is a bit slow. There's a lot of reading and there's a lot of like going over things that just kind of seem like should be pretty easy to, to pick up. And they were, but they decided to like over explain a few things. And I guess that's part of the problem of, of it also being a, a kid's game as well as you kind of got to get through all the explanations for things before you can get into the real crux of the game which is actually quite entertaining. Um, I guess the one thing to start off the bat, I'm going to start off with something a little bit negative, is, you know, the, the graphics just, uh, you know, some areas look nice, but there's a lot of pop-in. When Pokemon are just on the edge of that pop-in range, um, they, they become, they, they almost look like animated GIFs, almost. Very, very stuttery, stuttery GIFs, especially the bigger Pokemon who can you can see pretty regularly. Um, and just like, you know, you, you look at like the trees or you look at like the clothing on the characters and just, you know, it just doesn't look amazing, you know. And when you're coming into a game that is like this, where it's like, yeah, you know, there's there's really not much going on. I mean, they don't have to design a, a billion buildings or, you know, they don't have to create, you know, this this open space that's so big that, you know, whatever. I mean, obviously, it does take a lot of inspiration from Sword and Shield with these big open areas. And Arceus is pretty much one continuous area from start to, to, to bottom. Wait, from top to bottom um, with a few load screens in between in a few areas. Uh, so that's very impressive. Um, it's just I wish they could have optimized the game a little bit better to make the pop in a little bit less noticeable because there's sometimes when you're walking, you know, o uh, over a mountain and just trees are just kind of appearing out of nowhere. I, s I haven't seen Pokemon appear out of nowhere. You know, that's not that's not something that's been that's been um, a problem, um, but definitely trees and obviously grass. But I, 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 uh, I, I let that slide a little bit, the grass popping. And I don't, I don't think that's as, as important as like trees and stuff like that. And then, like I said, the clothes on the people, sometimes they'll have like unrendered badges on them, like symbols on them and stuff like that. You know, the one guy has like a, a coat on, a lab coat on, and underneath that is like a button-up shirt, and it just doesn't look amazing. And then there's also one person who has a desk, Celine, I think her name is, and her nameplate is just a pixelated mess. And it's just like, you know... Obviously, a few quality of life improvements here or there would have gone a very long way with the game. But that is, or those are, pretty much my only true negatives about the game so far. Um, I, I, I think that in the long run, you're going to enjoy the game if you can look past the dated-looking graphics and you know get past all the different dialogue that they kind of throw on to the first part of the game. And once you get to that open area where you're just kind of like going out into the field, uh, your goal is to catch all the Pokemon, of course, but also along with that, you're researching them. You're actually building the Pokedex. Because at the beginning of the game, you're kind of thrown in through a time portal and you land in this old, you know, ancient time, ancient, I guess, quote unquote, where Pokemon are still kind of feared in the environment. And even though there's some of them that are, you know, quite aggressive, uh, you yourself, you're you're able to kind of overcome the other people's fears and rise up the ranks in this uh, field operator type position. And I like that idea for the story. I know it's kind of far-fetched, you know, falling out of a portal, you know, but, th you know, then again, I mean, it's Pokemon, so I'm not going to, like, really, you know, <laughs> harp on it for that. Um, 
so uh, yeah, like I said, once you get to the open world, you're kind of exploring, you're filling out the first Pokedex, right? You you open up your book and you're going through the list of Pokemon as you find them. Each area, of course, has a lot of, you know, they have new unique Pokemons to the area. Then there's also some, you know, Pokemon who that you've already seen sprinkled in there as well. Uh, right now, I've gotten to uh, like a snowy mountain area. That's, that's I don't want to like give anything away too hardcore, but that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is I got to a, this like area that's got some snowy mountains. I found some Psyducks, which is my favorite Pokemon. Psyduck is my favorite, so I caught a few of those. And you know, you hear me saying like, "Oh, you go around and you catch Pokemon." That is the main gist of the game. You are going through this area. You're trying to be a little bit stealthy at first. Some 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 Pokemon can't be captured just by throwing a Pokeball at them. You got to battle them. But for the most part, you're going around. You're throwing Pokeballs at at these Pokemon, and you're just trying to gather as many Pokemon as you can. And each Pokemon on your Pokedex list. Uh, sorry, I hit the mic there. Each Pokemon on your Pokedex list has a number of challenges to complete in order to make the the um, the Pokedex entry complete. Um, so you have to like get a rank ten on each Pokemon. This, they put the little symbol next to it saying, "Hey, we've got enough information." And as you gather information, you go back to the professor, and he gives you money for your findings. And also, when you find new Pokemon, he adds them to your Pokedex, and um, he gives you like a boost in cash as well for each Pokemon you find. Um, and that's just the, that's the main crux of the game is going out there, catching Pokemon, battling Pokemon in different ways. You can have up to six Pokemon on your squad at the same time. Um, and I've been doing a pretty, I mean, I feel like I've been doing a pretty good job so far. I got pretty much every Pokemon I've met up until, up until like the new ones that I've just found, I've gotten their Pokedex entries completed and it's actually been a quite a good time. You know, I, I, I went into it without any expect moves. Oh my gosh, excuse me. I went into it without any expectations. So, I mean, someone who's played every single Pokemon in the past may find more problems than I have with the game. Um, I, I haven't really read anyone else's thoughts online. Um, I know some people were saying like, oh, Pokemon trickles in new features and, you know, they, you know, they make, they, they hold things back to make it seem like it's a bigger deal than it actually is. And to me personally, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but obviously, I I haven't been I haven't been in the Pokemon scene for a while. I mean, just recently we've been starting to open up Pokemon packs on on stream, and I've been spending money on that stuff, um, and it's been a fun time opening up Pokemon card packs. I never did that in my life, you know. I got the decks, and uh, you know, I I, I just kind of went from that, and I had the game, and that was pretty much it for Pokemon in my life. And it's interesting to go to get back into it. And now that I've played this Pokemon Legends Arceus game. Uh, I, I kind of feel like maybe I should dive into Sword eventually, you know, just to kind of see where Pokemon is at on the normal side of things. Or I might just wait for the next entry in the Pokemon series because, you know, obviously there's going to be another one in a few years anyway. So, you know, what, what's the point of starting Sword and, and then just kind of getting another one right after that? Um, but Arceus does enough to kind of change the formula to make it feel really super fresh in my eyes. You know, things like you're crafting, you're crafting items, you're crafting Pokeballs, you're crafting you know, health potions and lures and stuff like that to to try and get the Pokemon to come around. Uh, if you throw a Pokeball at, at an unaware Pokemon while their back is turned, you get like a back shot that stuns them for a little bit, which is making the, which makes them easier to get caught. Or if you're bet, if you want to battle the Pokemon and you do the same thing, but with a Pokeball that has a Pokemon in it already, um, it'll keep them stunned for like a turn or two. And that actually helps a lot. Um, 
And as you go through the game, you find that there's these alphas who are big versions of the Pokemon, and they have red eyes, and they're super powerful, and they can take out most of your Pokemon in one hit. So you got to be careful with your game plan going in on those. And so, like I said, so far, it's just been kind of a fun experience to just kind of wander around this world. Like, I've barely been back to the main area. Pretty much the only reason to go back is for story reasons or to rank up your character. Um, and, you know, I've been doing that every so often. Finding more side missions. There's, like, side missions around that you need to complete. Some of them you can do in, like, one second because you've already done the thing that they want you to do or gathered the item that they want you to gather. Other ones are a little bit more involved. Like, there's one that I did where um, there's a bunch of... There's three Badoofs in the village who are causing problems, and you have to go around and, and you know, capture them all and get them out of the area, which was a fun mission. Um, not, I mean, there wasn't too much to it, but it was still a, a fun mission to go around and find them. And... On top of everything else, I mean, the, the find items to craft with, you send out your Pokemon, you, like, throw your Pokeball, and, and he'll they'll knock into a tree and have, have to have the acorns fall or whatever they are, the nuts they use to make the, the health potions. Um, there's also just, like, crafting materials around, kind of like any, you know, open-world game. You know, you can, you can collect them yourself, or you can send your Pokemon out. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to really say, because if you know what Pokemon is, you kind of understand the gist of this game. But the main difference is, like I said, you're just capturing as many Pokemon as you can, right? And you can release them back into the wild, but you know, I, I, you know, you, you, the ones you've captured go to the um, the pasture and they kind of just hang out there. Uh, so you can, have, you know, you can capture like 15 Shinxes, right? And the game is okay with that. You know, I, I feel like in a normal Pokemon game, you're pretty much just trying to get like one of each Pokemon, right? You know, when you come across a Farfetch'd or a Pidgeot or a Pidgey, I should say. You know, you capture one, you rank it up all the way, you're done, right? In this game, you're just kind of like capturing as many Pokemon as you can and, and, and getting all their challenges done as fast as you can just so you, know, you can get more money and stuff like that. And like I said, you can have six character, you know, six Pokemon in on your party at the same time. All six of those Pokemon will earn the XP that you're getting uh, through battles and stuff like that. So you don't have to worry about you know, using every Pokemon. You can you can just use the one that you're you're the strongest in your party. And as long as you're doing things with that other Pokemon in your party, not passed out or whatever, they'll get the XP along with the other Pokemon, the Pokemon who is actually doing the work, um, which makes it easier to evolve the Pokemon. You know, I, I've had a Geodude just kind of sitting on my sideline the entire time, and he's almost ready to evolve now. I mean, he's level like 15 or something like that without me even using him once, you know? <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, I haven't gotten to a part where you can have like a Pokemon follow you around. So far, it's pretty much just been, you know, throw them from the Pokeball, uh, and they'll do whatever. Uh, so I hope that that does get added into the game because you've met we. I mean, you meet a bunch of characters who have just have a Pokemon following them around. Um, so it would be kind of cool to be able to have your favorite one follow you around too. But I mean, so far I haven't seen any hint of that being able to you know be happening with your character. So you know I, I don't have my hopes too high. But I guess I'll find out eventually, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of anything else to say right now because I think that that pretty much covers it, you know? I, I think that pretty much covers it. I guess that my main thing is, like, you know, if you're okay, if you can look past, you know, the graphical uh, errors, you know, the graphical criticisms that I have in the game, uh, you're looking for, you're looking at a good time, and if you're a fan of Pokemon, 
Um, I, I guess this is one that you're going to want to pick up because it kind of changes the formula up a little bit or a lot. And then also, if you haven't been, a, like, let's say you're like me and you haven't played a Pokemon game in a long time, then this is a nice, fresh breath of air, breath of fresh air <laughs> that that might draw you back in or at least give you a fun time for this game, right? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, if you want to check it out, Pokemon Legends Arceus, I give it a thumbs up right now and I'm going to definitely keep playing it until... Uh, until I feel like I've satisfied with it. And also another newer game that I've been playing this past week. And I've also wrote a blog post about this one too. Serious Sam's Siberian Mayhem. Uh, this is the DLC that was planned for Serious Sam 4 that got turned into a full-fledged game. Um, so Siberian Mayhem it has is running on the same engine as Serious Sam 4. So I still have those problems with like it looking like a fan-made game you know like an unreal engine that someone made like or dreams you know like a fan-made game in dreams um but i had a lot of i, I you know i i really didn't enjoy serious sam 4 but siberian mayhem has actually been really fun so far I, I feel like the level design is a lot tighter um the enemies and enemy rotation is is pretty good there's these open areas that you can kind of run around in or drive around in like one area you have a snowmobile that you're using to drive around and you're going to different bases uh different area you use a tank and you just decimate every single enemy in front of you with the tank as you go through the level um i i guess the one thing is like they don't utilize that space well but at least it is something a little bit different from the regular serious sam or at least serious sam 4 because serious sam 3 was also it had some bigger open areas in serious sam 3 nothing like siberian mayhem but you know i i just i'm really appreciating siberian mayhem i, I think that i think that the side missions are pretty pretty good and i think the main mission stuff has been good and the open you know the 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 areas to kind of explore have been pretty fun to get through you mostly want to stick around on the road you will run into some pretty egregious uh invisible walls here and there uh, but you pretty much want to stay along the main road going to the different places on the main road there was like hidden keys to find for for a weapon attachment there's plenty of different gadgets to find your weapon arsenal is a little bit different from uh, other Serious Sam games. You know, you got an AK-47 in there that has a double the speed fire rate when you reload it. Uh, you have the rocket launcher that gets a lock-on thing as you go through the game. Uh, there's a grenade, uh, a, a shotgun with a grenade launcher attached to it. Um, you also have this new crossbow that fires electrified bows or <laughs> electrified uh, electrified arrows <laughs> at enemies, which can kill most enemies in one hit, especially if you hit their critical point. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they kind of switched things up a good amount and like this new uh, Siberian wilderness theme is working pretty well for it to help it be, be a little bit more unique than all the other Serious Sam games. And, uh, you know, they got some new enemy types in there. They got some old ones returning. I, I just think that it's a it's a good first person shooter. It, it's a Doom-esque or, you know, early you know, you know it, it feels like a Doom-esque type game, but it also has its own feel to it because it is Serious Sam when things when all things are said and done obviously there there is a bit of a difference between doom and serious sam and and duke nukem and stuff like that um also uh the, you know the story is a little bit less cringe right i i, I from serious sam 4 i felt like serious sam 4's story <clears throat> it just it, it was just super cringy the voice acting was awful I mean, even Sam's voice actor, just he sounded like he didn't want to be there. And I guess kind of the same thing applies here, where Sam just doesn't sound like like he he's 
wants to be there anymore, you know? And the other characters in the game, they aren't as um, annoying to listen to as you go through it. So, you know, I guess it's kind of a backward, you know, backhanded compliment for the game that the characters are less annoying, but they're still kind of annoying. But like I said, so far, I've been enjoying the game. I'm about halfway, a little bit more than halfway through it now. And it just kind of keeps getting better as I go on. So <clears throat> as of right now, I'm giving it a thumbs up. If I run into something crazy, you know, crazy bad, I will let you guys know. But as of right now, you know, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying it. And I think that uh, it's going to be a fun rest of my playthrough of it. I, you know, just for just for context, I am playing the game on easy mode. Um, so take that as you will. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I, I played Serious Sam 4 on, on normal or whatever it's called. And I don't know. I, I just felt like normal wasn't normal. I felt like normal was hard, right? With the, with the, with the, how your, your health drains so quickly. And the, like the, the, the most annoying enemy that I always die to is the skeleton guys who are running at you and they throw like, they throw like balls at you. <laughs> Those guys are the most annoying enemies. They're back in this version, and I said, I don't want to deal with that shit. So, I, you know, I, I chose easy mode. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a little baby when it comes to Serious Sam, I guess. I played through Serious Sam 3 on the second the hardest difficulty back in the day, okay? Cut me some slack if I want to actually enjoy a game this time around, okay? I still love Serious Sam 3, but I'm not looking for that same experience that I had during the time that it was the height of Serious Sam 3, okay? I still think Serious Sam 3 is the best game out of the series. Siberian Mayhem is, like, inching up there to be number two on that list right now. So, that was also... I mean, I, I would say that's also another um, good recommendation for me, if you like these kind of games. So, on the streaming side of things, uh, we beat LEGO Lore of the Rings this past week. Well, actually, I think it was last Saturday we beat the game. And boy, did I not like that. I, I thought it was, I, I thought it was blatantly, I don't know. It just, it, it, that, it, it really disrespected the source material at sometimes. And I, I think that, you know, I'm fine with a little bit of Lego goofiness in these games or a lot, you know, I'm, I'm okay with a lot of Lego goofiness, but there are some moments in these movies or yeah, at least in the movie. Yeah. Where I, I feel like they needed to take a little bit of a different approach. Like I understand they're trying to make it kid friendly and they want to make it goofy so it's not, like, as intense as the scene in the in the Fellowship of the Ring or something like that. But, I mean, all you got to do is look up the Boromir death scene. And right off the bat, it kind of starts off on, the, on, a, on a weird note where Lurtz, who doesn't even look like Lurtz from the movies, uh, he shoots Boromir with a banana and a broomstick, right? And it's like, okay, whatever, that's, you know, Lego goofiness. Boromir dies, and then they have the scene where he's floating down the river on the boat, and instead of just kind of letting that scene happen, they add ping, like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, they add, they add those, like, ping pong noises, like if you were playing a pinball machine, you know, as he goes down the river, and he flies out of it, and it's supposed to be funny, and I just thought, like, like, I, 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 I can handle Lurtz shooting a banana at Boromir, but you kind of go a little bit too far when you have his, his like, burial scene be also just a, a slapstick comedy moment. I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like you could have just eliminated that scene from the game altogether, and I would have been a, a lot better with it, right? They didn't have to put that scene in there. Hell, they missed so many different lines and so many different scenes. I mean, they didn't even make a level for, for Minas Tirith. 
which is like one of the biggest battles of the Return of the King, right? They they switch immediately to the Pelennor Fields, and they they completely forget about the king, you know, and he's mourning his he's grieving over Faramir and Boromir who both die in the in Return of the King. They completely skip over that. They don't even do anything inside of Minas Tirith. It's like even Lord of the Rings Conquest had a Minas Tirith section, you know? Why does this LEGO game just decide to blatantly just ignore this entire part of the battle, you know? It just doesn't make any sense to me, right? I, I enjoyed the Pelennor Fields part, but you also have to remember, like, there's just like this... There could have been an entire section of the game where you were inside Minas Tirith with Gandalf and Pippin... But they just, just or Mary, I think, or it was either Mary or Pippin. I forget. I, I guess I'll have to rewatch. But you're missing that whole part of the of the of the of the movie in this game, and it's not that's not the only place that they don't do that. I mean, there's so many missing uh, important lines, you know, from the movie that are just kind of ignored in the Lego game. And the funny thing is, like, the game still seems a little bloated, right? There's some levels that just seem that just play out, and they're just kind of annoying to play through because they're just so long and boring. And then there's other ones that go by really quick, and they're kind of fun, but I don't know. This is a very hot and cold type game for me. More cold than hot, I would say. I really don't feel like playing this game ever again. I mean, I'm glad we played it just so I could relive, I guess, the the, the, the experience. But yeah, you know, it's just kind of, it's just kind of, um, it's just kind of a, a, a sad that they, they did such a horrible job in my opinion on the game and then also they did it they think they, they kind of scuffed how you get the red bricks in the game too like it's just a, it's such a long process to get the red bricks you know you got to find the blacksmith's blueprints you got to go to the blacksmith make sure you have enough iron blocks to forge the object or the or the or the or the yeah the object you need to find the person who wants that specific object like you know the guy wants a shovel or a rope or whatever and then you, you know, they give you the red brick after you give them the, 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 the mithril shovel or whatever it's called. And it could still not be the red brick that you want. Like I, I did, I did a whole process of doing this for one guy who, who like, I don't even know what he gave me. He gave me some like voice pack or something like that. And I was like, look, this was a lot of work to get something that was, that was just annoying and didn't change the game at all. Why am I going to do this for the other 20 or so red bricks? You know, I could just in insert the passwords. Sure. I could have just done that, but I wanted to try and, and, and play it, you know, legitimately before having to switch over to that. But I mean, if, if I was doing the platinum trophy for it, but I played the game on PC, so there's no platinum. If I was doing the hundred percent for the game. Sure. I would probably just end up, you know, getting the, to, you know, 10 times stud multiplayer from the get go. Right. But since I wasn't going to do that, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to waste the time. Because uh, I feel like, like now this game does waste your time a lot, you know? You can fast travel between points, sure, and that does speed the game up a lot. But, you know, let's say that you want to do a level to 100% completion. All the all the blueprints, all the med kits, all the stud total, etc. There are so many characters in this game who are completely useless. And then there's a few that have everything going for them. Like Sam. Sam was the most useful character in the game. He had everything that you needed. Most useless character in the game... Uh, honestly, one of the most useless characters in the game uh, was was Legolas. Legolas hardly had anything to do. I mean, he had his bow and arrow, and he could jump high, but he hardly had any... Or, or Aragorn, too. Aragorn 
had hardly anything to do in the game. It was mostly Legolas and Gimli in those sections, and, and when it was when it was the entire fellowship, it was always Sam doing everything. He has the he has the shovel. He had he can plant plants or seeds. He can he can cook meals. He you know he he can do all these different things. It's it's kind of crazy how much that he can do. And then there's other things. It's like okay, I don't know what character can pull the heavy doors open, right? I don't know what character can you know, do this or that. So you have to go through a level and all of a sudden you'll, you'll run into a level where it's like, oh, I don't have a character who can do this, you know? And, and then you got to try and find them in the open world. And yeah, it's just, it's just all, it's just all a lot of run around and it just wasn't fun. So I can't recommend this game, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who love it. I just can't recommend it. We also finished Mafia Definitive Edition. I don't really have much to say about it other than I was really disappointed in it. After all the problems we had getting it to work with OBS and on my PC, uh, the PS4 version was almost as bad as every other version with no optimization options. It just didn't run that well. Frame rates dropping constantly, glitches and bugs all around. And it's just like it's totally it's just it's just not the way you should do a remaster. I mean, sure, does it look pretty? Sure. It looks great. But like everything else about the game is just kind of like dated and annoying you know i feel like they should have done a lot more with this game maybe left it in the cooker for a little bit longer they get the to get stuff ironed out give us more optimization you know especially on pc uh, like there was no there was no frame rate you know modifier there was no uh v-sync options there was there was hard there was nothing there it was just it was just it was it was just so annoying and that just started everything off on the wrong foot. I didn't like the story in the in the game. I felt like Tommy was a terrible character. He's a, he's the worst gangster ever, let's be honest here. He didn't kill the people he was supposed to kill and that bit him in the ass and I knew that was going to happen. The game the, the the game is also the story is is very predictable, you know? I don't I mean I if you know you know, but there's this part where Polly is he he got all this money and he's really happy and I, and as soon as he did that I was like that dude's dead. That dude's de dead either in the next level or at the end of the game. You know, that dude is dead. And what do you know? In the next level, he was dead. You know? Spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah, I just was not a fan of Mafia. And this does not this does not make me want to go and play Mafia 2. I, I've played Mafia 3 in the past. You know, I don't think I really want to replay that one anyway. But I've never played Mafia 2. But after playing this one, I just, I just don't feel like even trying... I don't have it on any platform, so I'm not going to buy it unless it's like $2 or $5 on Steam or something. And then finally, this past week, we played uh, and finished in one sitting My Friend Peppa Pig. I did 100% all the trophies in the game. Amazing. Please clap. I mean, look, for, for a kid's game, it's not that good. It really isn't. I mean, I went into it with very low expectations, knowing that it was a very simple point, you know, you know move your joystick and press X at times kind of game, but... Man, it was just not that, it, it was just not fun, you know? Like, if I was a kid playing this, I, I don't know if I would really be having fun with the game. Um, I also think about, like, there's so much run around in it, and, and sometimes you'll accidentally press on a character, and they'll kind of, you know, force you into the same dialogue, the same sequence of events. I just feel like if I was a kid and I accidentally pressed on Grandpa Pig, and he did the stupid airplane section for me again after I'd just done it two seconds ago... I would have been pretty like, pretty like, oh, uh, fuck this, you know, in kid speak. 
So, yeah, I mean, could I recommend it for someone who likes Peppa Pig? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of adventures with Peppa. I mean, you go around the, the, you go around the entire uh, area with Peppa Pig, and you can do all these different things. Um, but, gee, yeah, I mean, would I recommend it to anyone who is is serious about gaming? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Am I glad we played it? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Not even for the Platinum Trophy. But... Was it a funny time? Yes, I had, I had, I would say I had more fun just kind of making fun of things and and shooting the shit with the people in chat than I did actually playing the game. Obviously, um, you know, it, it's just I don't know, I don't know, I I don't know. <laughs> like I find it hard because it is a kids game at, at the end of things. You know, it's a game for like four year olds, right? So it's baby's first video game, and in my opinion, I don't know. It just. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like it wouldn't be that that much fun. And you had to do some weird things to get some things to go in the game, too. You know, like, there, there was a part where you had to, like, stay in a room for, for a few minutes, like, a minute or so for, like, the, the story to start where you're trying to chase around the chickens. Like, what if I was a kid and I was just kind of running back and forth doing things? I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know that that was there. You know, I'd be like, how do I beat this game? You know, I, <laughs> I will say this as a closing point for that. <clears throat> um... The German version, the Russian version, the Spanish version, the Italian version. A lot more fun to play through with those with those different languages on. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but yeah, my friend Peppa Pig wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't recommend it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm also you know however old I am. The game's not geared towards me, so I'm not gonna give it too much criticism. But I'm also not gonna give it any slack. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Let's get into the big news of the week. Starting off the news of the week uh, this week, we have the game uh, Rumbleverse, which is a battle royale. They did like this alpha at the end of last year. um, And, you know, it was like a closed alpha, so not everyone was able to play it. They've decided to delay it indefinitely at this point, and that doesn't mean that the game will never come out. It just means that they really don't know when the game is going to be ready. Uh, they don't have a time frame for that. After the early access period during the alpha, um, they obviously had a lot of criticism. Um, they said that they were excited to announce to to you know release the game, and they're excited for the game that they're making. But you know, there's more that they they that they want to do to perfect the experience and the alpha really taught them a lot of things so you know obviously it's good to have you know criticism and feedback about the game and so hopefully they can take this time to you know tweak it fine-tune it do what they need to do to get it into a shape that will be good for public release the game was supposed to release on february 15th next month um, ahead of an early access period on the 8th of February, but of course that has been delayed indefinitely. There will be another b- a beta period, they said. Um, they're probably going to you know, have more information about that when it's closer to coming around. I, I didn't get to play the game, um, so... You know, I, I just saw a little bit of gameplay from one of the major Twitch streamers, and I was like, yep, it's Battle Royale, and you punch people. I, I don't know what else to really say. Uh, but, you know, it's just like, Battle Royale is just not my cup of tea. You know, I'll play a few of them. Like, I'll play a few rounds of Apex Legends, sure. But am I going to play it religiously every day? No, I, I couldn't do that. And I don't think that I would even try this Rumbleverse game unless it was, like, free to play. I don't even know if it's going to be free or whatever. But, 
yeah, like I said, it, it's going to be delayed indefinitely at this point, but I'm sure we'll be seeing it possibly later this year. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that they're that far away from a release, but yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, the first place that's going to get beta test though, they said is the PC. So we'll see when that's going to be. Um, and I'll let you guys know if it's that big of a news. Also, in Battle Royale news, a game called Hyperscape, which is one of Ubisoft's Battle Royale games that I didn't even know about, has gotten its plug pulled. <laughs> Hyperscape. Uh, it was a Battle Royale first-person shooter with up to 100 players online. Uh, it launched in August of 2020. And on April 28th, all the Hyperscape servers are going to be shut down. Um, they said that the, you know, Hey, it's just, I mean, I, I didn't even like, I didn't even know about this game. I, I mean, I don't think you guys probably even knew about the game either. I mean, it's a, it's a very niche game and I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it survived this long, if anything, but, uh, the studio came out with a statement and said, we set our, we set out to create a vertical close quarters and fast paced shooter experience. And we are extremely grateful to our community for joining us on this journey. We will be taking key learnings from the game in future projects. To the Hyperscape community, thank you for your passion and dedication to the world of Neo Arcadia. Both inside and outside of the game, your devotion to the game we built will, be, will always be cherished. So there you go. Also in Ubisoft news, Watch Dogs Legion is also... Uh, getting a stop to updates and stuff like that, season content. Um, I guess this is just the life cycle of the game is done, but it seems a little bit premature. If, if from the way the developer was speaking, it seemed like it was a little bit premature for the game. I, I, the developer seems to want to know, uh, or I'm sorry, wants to work on it a little bit more, obviously, but... Uh, I guess Ubisoft was 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 tired of watching the uh, the numbers go down on the online servers. So essentially, what's going to happen is the multiplayer aspect of the game is still going to be a um, up and running. Uh, but for now, after January twenty second, which has already happened, um, seasons three through five are going to keep uh, rotating. So. You know, you'll get season three, four, and five content for the, I don't know, however long the multiplayer stays up so you can get the rest of the stuff that you might need. Um, so, yeah, um, kind of intro. I mean, I never really got into Watch Dogs Legion. I played a little bit of it. I wasn't, like, super crazy about it. Uh, I, you know, I, I liked Watch Dogs 2. I thought Watch Dogs 2 was a good game, um, w way better than the first one. And I think Watch Dogs 2 is still, like, the best game in the series of this Watch Dogs series. After Legion, though, I mean, who? I mean, where are they going to go next? Uh, I don't know. I, I think the IP is kind of going to die after this. But yeah, you know, you never know. You never know. Obviously, you never know. Um, but yeah, it's too bad for the people who are enjoying that. Seems like the multiplayer and game is going to get stale. I, I guess barring any like unforeseen circumstances with crazy, you know, patches needing to be put out, they're they're not going to patch the game anymore, update the game anymore, and support the multiplayer anymore. All right, we got two games that went gold this past week. Horizon Forbidden West is the first one. It's ready to go for the uh, for the release of the game. Uh, this just means that they've finished with their testing. Um, obviously, there's still going to be an, an, a patch for when the game launches, uh, you know. Uh, but it's, it means that the game is ready to be printed and it's good to go. And 
that's good. You know, that's great news. Always like to see that the game's gone gold before release date. Same thing with Elden Ring. Elden Ring has gone gold ahead of its relaunch date on February 25th. Um, yeah, they just, you know, I mean, they're just, you're just finishing up a little bit of, a little bit of this and that, I guess. It's, it's hard to say, like, exactly what going gold means. Like, I know I've tried to explain it in the past, but going gold pretty much means they're ready to ship it, you know, with the updates that they have. They're going to still work on it, obviously, up until that point when the game does get released. So, you know, the update could be larger for day one or whatever. I guess, I guess what going gold means is like they've done their testing. The game is complete from beginning to end. They've, you know, had people play through it. You know, they're, they're cute. They're quality assurance testers. They're happy with the game that's, you know, ready to go to be printed. And they're going to just kind of keep working in the background on things. But, you know, there you go. Uh, it will be for sale on February 25th, says from software. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. So last week I talked about a game called Unpacking. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I thought it was chill, sure, but, you know, I, you can listen to that episode if you want the full kind of like mini review. Um, but there was a game on the iOS and Google Play stores that was ripping the game off. Apparently it was filled with ads and it was downloaded a million times before the developers were, you know, were, were uh, made aware of the game's existence. Uh, through a series of tweets, they they talked about the game and and how how it was an exact you know pretty much frame by frame ripoff of the experience. And around every corner, there was ads being played. Their mentions were getting blown up when people saw the ads being played on Instagram and TikTok. Um, so what they did is they released a cease and desist, uh, both to Apple and Google, to tell them to take down the game. And after a little while. And with a lot of support from the fans, the game was taken down from Apple Store and the Google Play Store, uh, so they shouldn't have to worry about that popping up again. Um, I guess the the cruelest thing that come of this is like unpacking. Obviously, it's a game of passion. It's a game of you know a lot of people coming together to, to make a a project that they are passionate about, right? And it's got a deep story in the background of it all and all that stuff. For some random you know company to kind of shit out a game in a, in a cup, you know, probably a week after the game was launched, they already had like a working test model and they were like, how can we really, uh, earn money from this, you know, throw a bunch of ads in there, you know, add a currency in there, diamonds, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm glad that the knockoff is taken down and obviously this won't stop anyone else from knocking the game off, but at least it's a, it's a win, uh, for the, for the team. And, you know, Hey, you know, check out Unpacking. It's on Xbox Game Pass for free. It's a chill little game where you put away objects. You know, it's got a nice, you know, it's got a, you know, it's got a story in the background that's predictable, but still, you know, it, it's fine. Um, so if you want to check that out, make sure you do. Uh, but that's that's that. Evil Dead: The Game has been delayed again. Um, Saber Interactive came out and said that the game needs a little bit more time. They said, hey, Evil Dead fans, when we set out to create a brand new game worthy of the Evil Dead franchising, we knew it had to be as groovy as hell. In order to deliver the best possible experience, Evil Dead, the game, is now coming out May 13th, 2022. So I don't remember when it was supposed to launch. I guess February was its, you know, its launch, um, uh, not launch date, but launch window. Uh, so, I mean, it's not too bad of a delay here. Uh, it, it, I mean, I, I, 
I don't know. Um, it, it's good that they're taking a delay if they need more time with the game, obviously. I mean, especially with a game like this, that's, you know, it's going to be like four-player co-op with... I think it's like a, one of those one or, oh, yeah, 1v4 type games. So, you know, I mean, everyone knows the story when, you know, Friday the 13th launched. I mean, that was a big mess. And they've finally improved the game, uh, you know, as much as they could. And now it's in a playable state and people actually enjoy that game. Uh, you know, Evil Dead is a pretty big franchise that has a lot of devoted fans to it. So you can't just shit out a game like Friday the 13th. Even though there's a lot of people who love Friday the 13th, don't get me wrong. Um, I feel like you're going to upset the fan base even more if Evil Dead comes out and it's a mess as well. But yeah, uh, May 13th is the new release date for that. Sea of Thieves is going to be getting monthly story-driven adventures all through 2022. In a recent Twitch stream on Rare's uh, channel, uh, they talked about how Sea of Thieves is going to be getting ongoing adventures. So new monthly, monthly story events are going to take around two weeks to unfold in each month. They're going to be accompanied by ongoing cinematic lore trailers. Um, so, you know, people obviously want a little bit more story out of the characters that were, uh, you know, NPCs in the game. And it seems like Rare is actually giving people what they want at this point. I mean, the game's been around for a while now, since 2018. It's really gone through a lot of changes since then. A lot of good changes, don't get me wrong. Um, also, along with the new story content and seasons, there are going to be mysteries, which are something that have been around in the game, but it seems like they're going to be having more clues to solve the mysteries now, which will be released either in-game or on social media. So you got to keep an eye out on their socials to properly follow the mysteries that are unfolding. Um, but yeah, players will be solving the murder of a well-known character in Sea of Thieves. Uh, that's going to be the first mystery that people are going to solve Sounds kind of interesting. So it's nice that they're still supporting this game so far after the release of it. It does seem like they've really, really stepped up and improved a lot of the game that people had worries about. It's still a co-op game to the bone, um, but, I mean, it's obviously fully recommended by a lot of people now, including me. I mean, when I played it back in, like, I think it was 2019... You know, even then, the game was improved enough that I was like, yeah, I could definitely recommend this. I haven't played it in a while, but... You know, I've read a lot. I mean, the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff that was added into the game. I mean, that's all a lot of good stuff. So, you know, check uh, check out Sea of Thieves if you if you so desire. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. If you don't recall, uh, last week when I talked about the reveal gameplay trailer, whatever you want to call it, gameplay overview, I noticed that there was some Lego mumbling, the classic Lego mumble, you know, where they weren't saying the actual lines from the movie. And... I was like, oh, is it going to be like a combination of the two? Like a little bit of this, a little bit of that? Well, kind of. People comb through the trailer, and there is actually a mumble mode that be can be turned on. I don't know if this is going to be locked behind like a red brick or something like that, um, but that in, in, in pretty much the, the turning that mumble feature on will give you that classic uh, Lego feel to... Whoops. A Lego feel to the game where the characters are just kind of mumbling what they're saying instead of, you know, saying the lines from the movie. And actually, that might be my preferred way to play. It looks like there's also a, a few other ones in here. We have Galaxy Rave, Television Mode, Hologram Mode, Retro Mode, Gunk Mode, GNK Mode, uh, Comedy Weapons, Rainbow Effects. So I think these are, the, I, I do think these are the red 
bricks in the game. Um, it would be nice if it was unlocked from the beginning because I've, you know, I, when I enjoyed Lego, that was when it was mumbling. That, that's, that's what, that's all I'm going to say. You know, when, when Lego was mumbling, that's when I enjoyed the game the most. Yes, I did like Lego Batman three and I did like, uh, the Lego movie, the game, but I mean, pretty much every other, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, uh, I mean, I guess I like the star Wars force awakens Lego game. I, I was okay with that. And I don't, I can't really think of any other ones that had the voice acting that i actually enjoyed so yeah a, a nice mode to add in there for sure and that might be my preferred mode if it is unlocked from the beginning all right uh, uh there's some new stuff about dying like 2 here uh the post-launch roadmap has been revealed by the developers uh obviously like i said they're doing five years of support after the game uh so let's see what's what's planned up until june this year so Factions-inspired free DLCs, series of events mutated infected, which will start in April, set of challenges one, so there'll be a new set of challenges. The set of challenges two will be in May. The first story DLC is planned for a early June release. And then, like I said, five plus years of more of support. So there's going to be a second story DLC, new weapons, enemies, stories, events, and free and paid DLCs. Um... So yeah, you know, normally I don't like uh, companies releasing DLC so soon after the launch of a game. I mean, the first story DLC here is is only, let's see, one, two, three, maybe about four months after the launch of the game. So, you know, is it content that could have been in the game? Probably. Maybe it's only cut from the game because they didn't have enough time to flesh it out like they wanted to. You know, maybe it is a story that kind of went a little bit farther. Maybe they like the story more. I'm just saying I'm okay with them doing this, but prefer to have the first DLC launch a little bit farther out than what this is. But, you know, still, still excited about the game. Looks like the first few months of content is going to be, um, you know, some, some, some interesting things here. The challenges are probably going to mix things up the most. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I look forward to playing the game next month all right so um respawn the developers of apex legends have three star wars game games coming uh they also did jedi fallen order of course too um so they have three new star wars games coming so one of them is going to be an fps title not much is known there the other one is jedi fallen order 2 or whatever that's going to be named and the third game is going to be a um a a, a real-time strategy game so maybe we'll be seeing something like back in the day i forget what it was called empire at war or galaxy at war or something like that where it wasn't rts kind of in the same vein as like command and conquer uh maybe we'll be seeing something like that or maybe a remaster of that old game uh back in the day that'd be kind of cool um but yeah, I mean, it's, I, th I think that it's Star the Star Wars property is in good hands. I mean, after Jedi Fallen Order, I, I feel like, you know, they I, I feel like it's in good hands. That's that's uh, that's all I gotta say. Now, does this impact the development of a new Titanfall game? I would say probably. I mean, I don't want Respawn to be like the Star Wars only group, but they're doing a good job with the property so far. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see, you know, what those other things are, but, you know, having these three games in the works is nice because I know, like, hey, they're probably going to be pretty high quality if when they come out, you know, even though Jedi Fallen Order has a good amount of glitches in it, don't get me wrong, um, I think that the core of the game is still great, so, 
yeah, you know, I'm interested to see what these games are going to be. I mean, a first-person shooter, maybe a Bounty Hunter game, maybe a Jedi Outcast game, you know? Uh, obviously, with Jedi Order, Fallen Order, you know, maybe that's not going to... Maybe, maybe that's not on the table, but seeing a Star Wars RTS would be kind of cool, you know, especially if it's, you know, kind of like in the style of that older game that I was talking about. But it's a wait-and-see type moment. And finally, for the big news this week... Crisis 4 has been confirmed by the developer. Almost a decade after Crisis 3 came out, Crisis 4 is now in production. That's right. Uh, with the coming of the Crisis Trilogy remastered, I guess that kind of got the the developer thinking, like, hey, maybe we should release a new game since we did all this work on the Crisis Trilogy. Um, I wasn't really a huge... Like, I mean, the first game is still pretty... Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of stuck in the past, obviously. And I mean, that that's just that's kind of to be expected. Um, but, you yeah, know, we'll see what happens with this fourth game. Not much is known. I mean, obviously, they're just kind of like they just kind of like we're like, hey, this is definitely coming out. It's kind of like Skate 4, right, where the developer was like kind of told like, hey, it's greenlit. You know, maybe it's kind of like the same thing here. I mean, maybe they have been working on it, you know, in the background. So I guess we'll have to wait for you know, some more information about that. But for right now, Crisis 4 is has been announced and it's in development. All right, let's let's move on to what's coming soon. So, first things first, PlayStation VR is getting a new Walking Dead Saints and Sinners game. This game is going to be called Saints and Sinners Chapter 2 Retribution. Um, obviously the first game was pretty successful. Um, it came to a lot of different platforms as well, uh, but it started out on the PlayStation, the play, the, the PSVR. Um, so they came out on Twitter and said it wouldn't be our second anniversary without a surprise. Hold on to your heads, Taurus. The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners Chapter 2 Retribution is coming. So I'm wondering if this is going to be, uh, an early PSVR 2 game, you know, maybe they're going to design it around that, or maybe they already have been working on something like that. I think that would be kind of cool for them to do. Um, but yeah, kind of a cool little surprise there that they were getting another Saints and Sinners game. Um, I played a little bit of the, of the original version. I didn't play a lot. Uh, I bought it a little bit late in, in my time with the original PSVR. Uh, I could get it on Oculus, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting that that's coming soon. Two Point Campus has gotten a release date of May 17th. So, um, the, you know, this is the college campus, I guess, management game. Um, you'll be playing, instead of doing a hospital, you're doing a college campus. And like I said, that's going to be May 17th, 2022. It's coming to pretty much everything. So there's going to be console versions and PC versions. Um, and then, uh... Yeah, it looks like it's going to be kind of this. It's kind of similar as Two Point Hospital, like I said. Um, it looks like it's got some of those like futuristic kind of themes to it. Like there's a a game where like balls are shooting out of a cannon or whatever pucks you want to say them. So yeah, uh, May seventeenth for that. Death Stranding's director's cut on PC is going to debut in March, March thirtieth actually, so the end of March. Uh, we all kind of knew that this was coming. I mean, you know. The game is big on PC with the original version of the game and the director's cut version. I mean, I think we all knew that it was going to come to the PC anyway. Um, I'm not sure if it's coming to both Epic Games and Steam or if it's already on Epic Games, but not Steam. Uh, I know that the original Death Stranding is now on Steam. So there you go. If you already own a copy of Death Stranding, you'll be able to upgrade it for 
just like uh, with the PlayStation version. So there you go. All right, Banjo-Kazooie is now officially available on Nintendo's online expansion pack. You know I got to mention this because Banjo-Kazooie is my favorite game of all time. Uh, I would suggest checking this out. If you have the expansion pack, people have said that it runs really good on it. So I'm guessing they're kind of using like a pseudo Xbox version of the game. You know, uh, I, I don't think that it's, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, but anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the Banjo-Kazooie is available on the Switch right now, which is actually pretty groundbreaking too. I mean, you know, it's, it's a rare game. It's an Xbox owned IP now and it's available for free on the Switch. So, hey, maybe we'll see a rare revival. You know, maybe we'll see Banjo 3E sometime in the future. That'd be pretty, that'd be, that'd be pretty fun. You know, I'd, I'd love to see that. Um, and maybe we may also see other games that Xbox owns coming to the, to the expansion pass as well. All right. You may have saw on Twitter that I tweeted about this game, Cow the Kangaroo or KO, KO, I'm sorry, KO the Kangaroo is making a surprise comeback and it's coming to pretty much every single platform KO the Kangaroo is from the Dreamcast era, and he's making his first comeback since then in 2022. Um, in a press release, they said KO, pronounced KO, will be familiar with any fans of 3D platforms in the early 90s. Um, having made his debut in, on Sega's legendary Dreamcast back in the year 2000, two decades on, KO is back in business, is back in business about to embark on his biggest adventure yet setting out to find his miss missing sister and solve the mystery of what happened to his long-lost father. Um, so uh, the original game sold 700,000 units worldwide, and the sequel that was planned to release on the game was... Um, I'm sorry, there was a sequel to the game that was only released on Game Boy Advance and GameCube, so it kind of switched platforms there. Although I think the Dreamcast was pretty much over by the GameCube era anyway. Uh, anyway... Yeah, the game looks fun. If you watch the trailer, it, it looks like a cutesy, you know, blast from the past type game. And with this, I mean, 3D platformers are coming back. And y'all know that 3, 3D platformers are my favorite genre of games, hands down. You know, uh, this might be my my time to shine at this point. I mean, I really like platformers. I, I mean, I'm enjoying Croc, Legend of the Gobbos. Like, you wouldn't, I mean, who, who, who I mean, that's how much I like platformers. So, yeah, um, some things to look forward to. Beautiful, diverse worlds packed with secrets, engaging in fun gameplay for all ages. Magic gloves stacked with powers. KO, a cheeky, brave, and feisty kangaroo. Uh, an engaging story filled with a cast of captivating characters. Challenging combat, including unique boss battles, and a whole list, uh, host of items to collect. So, yeah, um, I'm excited. I I'm definitely going to grab this game when it comes out. Hopefully it comes out this year. I'm really interested in that. Um, if you want to check out the trailer, it is on Tate Multimedia's YouTube channel and probably other places as well. Okay, so Super Rare's first game, uh, published game, I should say, because Super Rare's usually, you know, they publish or, you know, they do stuff for other companies, right? Um, they do physical editions for other games like Horus and those things. Um, so, yeah, this is actually their first published game from themselves. Uh, this is Grapple Dog, uh, a trailer released on their YouTube channel. Uh, the YouTube channel is Super Rare Games, of course. It's coming February 10th, 2022. 
It is kind of like a puzzle platformer action game where you use a grappling hook to to swing around. It kind of reminds me of that Speedrunners game that that was really popular back in the day. Um, but yeah, it's a action platformer where you use a grappling hook and you are a dog and you traverse around using your handy hook. There are six worlds to explore split into 33 levels filled with secrets, bosses and bonus levels. There's also a time trial mode if you want to try and challenge yourself. Um, so yeah, I think it looks pretty fun, uh, that the trailer I- itself was, was pretty good. Um, it has like a, a, a three, uh, I'm sorry, like a, um, a, a, a like a 16 bit, 32 bit, maybe kind of art style. Um, it looks like it's got some fun platforming in there and the boss fights look pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely going to pick this up. Obviously it, it looks really, it looks really fun. And it's coming to both Switch and to Steam. Switch and Steam to start off. You remember Aztec Forgotten Gods? I don't. <laughs> Apparently the game is has finally gotten a Switch release date on the 10th of March. If I remember correctly, they showed this game off during either an indie showcase a year ago or a direct a year ago. Um, I don't really remember what this game is about. Um, it's some sort of like game where you fight ancient Aztec gods or something like that. It's it's kind of fuzzy in my memory, and this trailer isn't really knocking anything loose there. But it is coming March 10th, and it's coming to pretty much every platform, so you don't have to get it specifically on Switch, even though it was in the indie showcase. Um, but yeah, Aztec Forgotten Gods, March 10th. Uh, you're going to guide a chil- a- Etchtili, a cybernetically enhanced warrior, on a quest to save Tenochtitlan her home, and the crown of the Aztec Empire. Um, Armed with Lightkeeper, a powerful prosthetic arm powered by a mysterious energy, she must stand tall against fearsome foes. Harness Lightkeeper's latent abilities to leap into action. Uh, Engage in action-packed combat, blending mobility and precision timing. Sounds kind of interesting. I guess I'll have to see some gameplay. Uh, speaking of gameplay, uh, Sword and Bones got an announcement and gameplay trailer. Uh, this is like a Ghosts and Goblins style kind of game where you play as a knight who's doing platforming and action adventure type things, collecting gems, slaying monsters, and going through a 2D world. It, and it looks like you also have like Castlevania-esque like axes to throw and stuff like that. Um, after the, the craziness that was the Ghosts and Goblins, um, like, remaster, where it had, like, this goofy art style, I'm so glad that we have a game like this that looks like that classic art style from the original Ghosts and Goblins, except it looks like it's gonna be a little bit less taxing, it looks like there's still a little bit of challenge in there, of course, uh, but it looks like it is gonna be a little bit less of a challenge than Ghosts and Goblins, of course, we'll have to wait and see on that, uh, this is gonna come out... Uh, looks like there's no release date yet for it, but it said this it's slated to come out in 2022. So we shall see. Uh, graphically, it looks pretty pleasing. It's got like that 32 bit or 16 bit style. What's the difference? I guess I guess this is 32 bit. There's definitely there is it's definitely more like an, a Castlevania or Metroid type game uh, aesthetically. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's over 50 action packed levels, six bosses, two endings. Uh, power-ups, devastating spells, pixel art graphics, and a six... Okay, so they are saying this is a 16-bit style. 
I guess I'm just stupid, and embark on a dark chiptune soundtrack. I'm sorry, an epic and dark chip... I can't read, guys. It's 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 all over. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, anyway, uh, that's, that's Sword and Bones. Like I said, doesn't seem to be a release date for it yet, just uh, planning to come out this year. All right, let's get into some free games that are becoming soon. Uh, PlayStation Plus's February games have been announced, and they are Planet Coaster on the PS5, Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, a Wonderland's one-shot adventure on the PS4, and also UFC 4 from EA Sports. That's on the PS4 as well. Those are all going to be free the first Tuesday of February, which is going to be this week. That's going to be, like, what, February... Uh, wait, actually, I might be wrong. Actually, no, the first Tuesday of February is the first of February, so there you go. It will be next week. Um, Planet Coaster is a fun time. It's kind of like it kind of reminiscent of Roller Coaster Tycoon, except with a few different mechanics in there. I'm not so fond of like using a controller with an RTS kind of strategy game, but you know, there you go. Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. Uh, obviously, with the new Tiny Tina game, Wonderland's coming in, it was it's a good idea to kind of release this for free. Um, it's just the DLC from Borderlands 2, which I'll probably play through, honestly. Um, I think the trophies in there are actually easy enough. And then uh, UFC 4, um, it's the fighting, it's a it's a fighting game. I've never played one of these games, so, you know, I don't really have any knowledge on them. But you can check it out if you want, because it will be free, so at least there's that. Your Xbox games with gold for February have also been announced. They are... Broken Sword 5, The Serpent's Curse, which will be available between February 1st and the 28th. Aerial Knights Never Yield, which will be available between the 16th of February and March 15th. Hypodrophobia, Hydrophobia, is going to be available between the 1st of February and the 15th of February. And finally, Band of Bugs will be available between the 16th of February and the 28th of February. Uh, so if any of those tickle your pickle... You can go ahead and check those out on the Xbox Games with Gold. Also, some games coming to the Xbox Game Pass. Uh, we got three titles coming day one of their release, including Sniper Elite 5, which is pretty crazy. Sniper Elite 5 will be amongst one of the games coming to Game Pass when it's released. Uh, they don't have a firm release date yet for the game, uh, but it is slated to come out in 2022. So, you know, we'll see if that's sooner rather than later, but... Going to be kind of interesting, I'm sure, to see that on Game Pass. And then also, two other games. Dreamscaper is coming February 3rd, and it's right now it's only going to be available on console. Everything else will, will, is to be determined. And then also coming to console is Besieged, the console edition, which is coming February 10th. And I've played a little bit of Besieged. It's a fun little like um, sandbox game. I didn't play too much of it because I wasn't a big fan of it, but it's does, you know, it does what it does well, you know. Uh, never heard of Dreamscaper. Uh, obviously, it's a brand new game. Uh, looks like it's got a nice art style in there. You kind of go around like a 3D environment, top-down environment. Um, I'm, I'll probably check it out, of course, when it comes around. Um, but yeah, that's everything for today, folks. I appreciate you tuning in to this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any, have any questions, comments, or concerns, just swing over to my Discord and let me know uh, in the video game comments section. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. New episode of Film Freaks came out. 
Uh, we talked about the Fellowship of the Ring, so perfect timing for my Lord of the Rings Lego Lord of the Rings playthrough. Uh, if you want to check that out, it's, it's available anywhere. And then also a new episode of Fubar Ferret comes out tomorrow, the day that this is uh, uploaded tomorrow on Monday, and it's featuring 92 Oso on the podcast, friend of the channel. So if you want to check that out, those both are available to watch or listen to probably at the time that you're listening to this. Anyway, 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 I am Yumi the Ferret, and I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.